Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited today. As I always say, I'm when am I never excited? I'm always excited because podcasting is something that I love doing and I do it so often, it's become like second nature, almost like breathing. But today, I've got a very special guest for you. I have Lori Goodman-Lampson, who is the president and CEO of PDR, and they are a workplace consulting design and architecture firm. And actually, Lori just fell into my lap. We got an email from an organization that said, you need to talk to Lori. She's got a lot to share and some really interesting insights on how things are going to change in the future when it comes to workplace design and development. And as soon as I read the email, I was like, we got to get her on the podcast. I think we got the podcast set up the same day, if not like maybe a day later. So without further ado, Lori, it is so good to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be with you today to talk about the thing I love the most. Absolutely. So, you know, if you know, you've probably heard it before, maybe not. I know you said you had just listened to a couple of episodes. One mm-hmm. of the things we like to do is lay the foundation of who we're talking to, who the listeners of the Zweig Letter podcast are listening to. So, Lori, I would love it if you would give us your cliff note version of your superhero origin story, <laughs> how you got to where you are today, and and then we can kind of go on from there. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so the quick story is as a probably an 11-year-old little girl, I was very intrigued with design. I would hoard my mom's home design magazines and pretty much decided then that I was going to be a designer when I that's in the 70s. When I applied to university, I thought in the 80s, I thought that I needed to be an architect to be the kind of designer that I wanted to be. I went to orientation at University of Houston Architecture School 
and quickly realized that the kind of design I was thinking was actually more focused on the interiors and the people, designing for people instead of designing structures. So I shifted over to the interior design program, and that's exactly where I needed to be. So I I didn't know these words at the time, but designing experiences for people to engage people and support people in the activities that they were trying to do was really what I was most interested in as a designer. So quickly, sort of fast forward, and my first job out of school was with a sole proprietor who ran her own design business, and she was on her own and needed help. And so sort of the best entry point into a career, because I learned the business, I learned how to do everything. So lucky for me, sort of the best start, not pigeonholed into doing one thing like would have happened to me at a big firm. And I then joined PDR. PDR was the firm I interned with as a, as a student. One of my professors was actually married to the chairman there. So that's how I knew about the firm intern there and knew that that was the firm that I really wanted to work with. So when they, you know, had a job opening, I interviewed, I, you know, said something pithy, like I'm going to, you know, be a partner someday. And they hired me anyway. (laughs) And I have been there for 30 years. I've been with PDR now for 30 years. So started as a young designer, designed my way through the ranks. What I didn't know about the firm when I started was how business savvy the firm was. And that ended up being another fortuitous match for me because I, I sort of described myself as sort of I'm equal parts creative and analytical. I've got both sides of the brain working and it's really important to me to know why I'm doing something and make sure that I'm you know, meeting a business objective and also being creative. And PDR was that kind of firm, very business savvy, very interested in being an advisor to business clients. We focus solely on workplace design for organizations. So we spent a lot of time working with business leaders, talking about business challenges and what is it they're trying to solve. And design is then our vehicle for helping them create places that create the kind of experience that will attract the best talent, will support people in doing what it is they need to do to achieve the business results that they're looking for. I just naturally rose in leadership through the course of my career at PDR. I I like to say like, if you're good at something and you're responsible, you end up being in charge of it. And now I'm in charge of the whole firm. So <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. And, and now I'm preparing us for this new future, which is super exciting. The reason that we're in this situation, not exciting at all. It's tragic, actually. But the opportunity in this crisis to, to emerge an evolved firm ready for a future, like we were saying before we started today, Randy, this COVID is just the great accelerator of things that probably should have been happening. And now they will be happening and be happening quicker yeah. uh, than perhaps we contemplated. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's funny you say that because I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, COVID has been a blessing and a curse, right? Because it's, it's a blessing on the one hand. I mean, and I'm I, again, I understand that people are dying and all that, but I think more families are stuck together with each other. So families are spending way more quality time than they ever have in the past. And so that part of it is good, right? So you have to kind of look at the fleeces in any situation. And I think in that case, that is something to certainly be excited about. The other piece is kind of parlays what you're talking about in terms of amplifying the ideas that you guys already had about work and place and what it meant to help firms 
look at the way that they organize their workplaces. And you've worked with companies like ExxonMobil, Heinz, HP, Chevron, Sonos. Sonos is the speaker company, right? Because yes. I've got a pair of those in my my living room and I absolutely love them. But I mean, you guys have worked with some with a wide variety of, you know, Fortune 50 firms and, you know, startups. And so right now with the way things are and how this pandemic, if you will, fell into your lap as far as an opportunity to really push the envelope with how you look at work and place design. What is, is the biggest, has been the biggest aha moment for you since we've gotten into the, the thick of things in the last seven and a half, eight, nine months of the pandemic? Right. A couple of things come to mind quickly. One, you know, we've been promoting the power of place to drive performance for decades. And now finally, the entire world <laughs> is listening and is contemplating what kind of place do I need now? So how much and what kind do I need? And the aha moment that we've, we've had in this is that intentions now matter more than ever before. So now we are asking organization leaders and organizations, what is your intention for bringing people together? Why do you have a workplace? What is its purpose, intended purpose? What is its new intended purpose in this new world where cat's out of the bag? Yes, we can all, we can, most of us can find a way to be productive in a remote or mostly remote setting. So in that context now, why do you want to bring people together? And what are you going to do that will compel people to come together in a world where it's not necessary in all cases to come together? So those intentions and We've, uh, we've always had a very strategic process with advising our clients through the decision-making process of developing the right workplace environment for them and what they're trying to achieve versus chasing a trend or doing what another company does. And now we've gotten more intentional about how we guide clients in making sure that we're helping them establish the right context and that they really understand their own intentions. Because as you can imagine, with the question that everybody's trying to answer, there's quite a range of the, a range of solutions that you could decide. And what I like to say is a lot of folks are trying to solve using math. They're trying to solve a math problem. And there is a quantitative problem to be solved, but we like to flip it on its head and say, let's solve the qualitative problem first. And then let's apply the math to that. Because, and you've probably heard some organizations are saying, oh, we'll just leave 30% of the folks can work at home forever. 30% have to come every day and the rest can do something in between. Well, that's math, but it's probably not going to drive towards the intentions, the reason why you're creating and investing in a place for people to come together. And the other thing that a lot of organizational leaders are doing is asking their people, as they should, what are your preferences in this new world? What, what do you prefer now? Again, cats out of the bag. Flexibility will be the number one thing that talent demands from any organization inside our industry and outside. In fact, our industry has been dying for work-life balance for decades now, right? Nice. I mean, <laughs> yes. So we are going to have to address it. We can no longer say the best work happens when we're all together in the studio. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to come every day and work together in the studio. It's not the case. So now we need to be more intentional. We, but we also have to establish context for folks to choose their preferences. So we're going to need to program the workplace as much as we're going to need to design it because people will now choose to come based on what's happening 
in the environment, what's happening at the workplace. And by that, like who else is there? Because other people are magnets, special resources are magnets, the opportunity to, to meet and, and use whiteboards. In my case, I'm dying without my whiteboards in my home office. I try to go to our office. We're still 100% remote in all of our offices for the most part where they are open on a limited basis. I try to go once or twice a week. I also try to go with other people and do things differently than I would do sitting in my home office. So for me, the, the big things are intentions and the context that you set for folks to choose and putting people first and not just their health and safety, but their psychological being and really supporting people being at their best. So they will do their best, which is what we all need our terrifically talented people to do is be their best and do their best work, drive their performance to drive our business performance so that we can move our organizations forward. And that, that applies to 100% of the organizations across the board. Doesn't matter what industry that you're in. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, as I'm sitting here just kind of processing what you were saying, it really, you know, intention is the motherload of it all, I think. And, and it's interesting to say that I know a lot of companies have been kind of caught blindsided, if you will, by the pandemic because they've never really put a lot of thought. Let's just face it. Companies in general have not always strategically thought about their workplace setting and in that. And I'm sure you've lived that for the last 30 years. So that you know what I'm talking about, but it's, you know, and I've talked to some other people on this podcast, people like Ozzy Nelson and others from Ozzy's from Nelson Design. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've worked with Google and Bank of America and some really big companies to help them reconfigure and re redo how they set up their branches and how they set up their workplaces and, you know, creating a solution that makes sense for the people that utilize those spaces on a daily basis, which are the workers and the people that are there. And so I can only imagine that not that this is bittersweet for you because of the pandemic, but it's just you're being affirmed of things that you guys have been studying and talking about for years Right. When it comes to the workplace and the importance of it and not just to kind of sell it short and, you know, throw a, a catalog on somebody's desk and tell them to order a bunch of, you know, tables and chairs and desks right. and just have at it. I mean, there needs to be more thought that goes into it. What are you finding now from firms that you're talking to eight, nine months in? What are they saying to you now that they didn't say before? when it came to, you know, office organization and possibly helping with some of the challenges that they're experiencing with this duality of work that we have where so many people are working at home. But then, like you said, you come into the office sometimes, sometimes you stay home. I mean, even Zwei Group, they went from being 100% in the office to almost, I mean, they still have an office space, but people like, you know, are like ships in the night passing through to go into that office space, but primarily everybody's working from home. So, and right. I know that's a lot, but I mean, I you know, you can unpack it any way that you'd like to. So one thing, one really interesting thing, and it's one of those, it's about time somebody considered this that's happening is now we're thinking about how to solve for collaboration in the office that includes remote attendees. And so if you go back to February of 2020, a, an in-office collaboration that included somebody not in the office, our method was we put you on the speakerphone and promptly forgot you were there. 
Now (laughs) we're having to rethink completely collaborative space in the office to ensure that the remote folks feel like they're part of the collaboration, just like they feel like they're part of the Zoom meeting, you know, in this virtual setting. And so it is that just that concept right there is completely reshaping how we're designing collaborative spaces, what the technology tools are, how speakers work, how cameras work, how the mics work, so that the room that that some of the people are in can be joined by the remote team members and it feels, still feel like you're part of the conversation. So that's a big shift that'll have a big design shift, but it also has a big behavior shift because it'll no longer be acceptable to put somebody on the speakerphone and promptly forget that they are part of the interaction, right? We will be working really hard to make sure this, you know, the, the digital physical you know, harmonizing digital, physical in all of the environments that we happen to be working in, because now we're in a work from anywhere world. It will be very important. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because I'm going to share something that I just experienced recently that really informed me on what you just talking about. And then I have a question for you as a follow-up, but I am on a board of about a $11 million co-op here in Arkansas. And we had our annual retreat just about a week ago last Saturday at the time of recording this. And, you know, we could not bring in the facilitator. She had issues that would not allow her to travel, but we needed to have this retreat, you know, and it was an all day Saturday retreat. What we ended up doing was a Zoom meeting where we all had our Zoom, we all had our laptops, but we also had a big screen and she was able to see both the room as a whole And she was able to see each of our faces, which is important when you're meeting with somebody because body language is everything. And so she was able to do both of those things. And through some of the technology that she had available, which I thought was really cool, she had a virtual whiteboard, which she shared with us. We were actually able to break up into groups of Mm -hmm. two and kind of share our feedback and then report back. And then we came back together as a group. There was only like seven of us, but we came back as a group and we shared all this information. And our our host, or if you will, the retreat facilitator was, you know, on the East Coast. And right. it ultimately, we said it was actually one of the best retreats that we've ever had. And, you know, you couple that with, I've done a bunch of trainings for Zwei Group. Zwei Group is in the middle of their Elevate AEC program. And Mm -hmm. every day there's something new to learn in terms of the design industry. And they're sharing that and they have been sharing it over the past six weeks and it will culminate right before Thanksgiving. And it's just been a rousing success. And I encourage anyone to check it out at Elevate AEC to learn more about some of those programs that Zweig did in that eight week period. But, you know, it was a chance to bring people together that you could have never all brought into one room anyway. So it just right. worked out. Yeah. But my question so again, back to intentions, right? What's your yeah. isn't your intention to include everybody in the collaboration? You're going to try to tap into the talent wherever talent is. So right. you know, that also will change. You will we will now hire talent where the talent is instead of being limited to hiring talent where our physical location is. Yeah. yeah. So but you again establishing a a platform where you can support all these variable collaborations and ability to work. One of the things that PDR did, we actually did it two started it two years ago in 2018, was we started to shift the entire firm to the virtual desktop interface. So we created a platform 
so that we can work anywhere. So we are based in Texas, but we work all over the world for, you mentioned a lot of our largest clients, we work all over the world for them. And so a lot of traveling, you know, have the best computing technology and the best computing technology is all not always reasonably portable. So instead of dragging around a giant laptop, that's, you know, basically a desktop in a bag, we shifted to the virtual desktop interface just to make it easier and our, our goal, our mission for that, and I know a lot of firms are doing it or considering it, our mission was same experience no matter where you are. And so you really have to push the platform to perform in a way that you can really use the tool wherever you are. That's going to be pretty critical in this remote hybrid, you know, harmonizing the digital physical work environment is having the right platform, the right tools then you're going to need the right protocols. You're going to have to write new policies because there's going to be so many new questions about what's possible, what's allowed. And again, this is where intentions are going to be really critical because every one of these new decisions that you're making needs to go back to the intention. What are you trying to support? What are you trying to empower? How much flexibility? And then operationally, how much can you manage? Because you're going to need tools and systems that will help support this new fluidity. You know, we're not really mobile right now. We're just fixed in our new place, which is at home, right? And we were moving to a fairly mobile, you know, work in multiple places. We're kind of static and hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll be back to being much more mobile, fluidly moving between the various places that we can get our work done based on, I like to say, part of the intention should be around you know, who needs me? Who, who do I need to do my best work and who needs me? And that's how I should choose. That's the context in which I should choose where I am. Right. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And, and my follow up to what I was asking and what I, what I shared about my experience with our retreat was one of the biggest things that I know design professionals like to do, especially architects, landscape architects and others. A lot of times design professionals love to sit down and charrette or stand mm-hmm. up around a table and charrette and How have you answered that question that a lot of people have probably posed about, well, how do we do this when we're separate? We can't come together, but we find that when we do, when in the past we have come together, we've been able to come up with some amazing ideas through charrette, through other design practices. How do you answer that challenge? So it is a cha- it is a challenge. And one I will say we were challenged with early on in this transition, even though we had all the tools and we could be mobile and we seamlessly moved to our remote working situation, the creative collaboration that you want to happen that happens in a room with a bunch of you know materials or happens on the walls had to shift to the digital arena. We use the Teams, Microsoft Teams platform, which has the Microsoft whiteboard, shared whiteboard system that you can use, but it's still hard. I think the hardest part is the screen real estate, the limitation of the size of the screen that everybody sees. You know, designers and architects, we like to put a lot of information up on the wall, sort it. We're very visual. So we need to to see it. I know that I personally and many others have taken to creating our own giant size whiteboard idea taking photos of it and sharing the photos <laughs> back and forth and then using the iter- you know the program to iterate it is a challenge and there still is a preference to be together in an office or in a in a work setting with better tools and equipment to do some of that it's also just a learned you know we just have to learn new behaviors that's a you know you know the the pro and the con of this whole thing is is learning new behaviors and maybe, maybe 
there's actually some, you know, in terms of, you know, equal voices in a collaboration, one of the things we've learned to do in this setting is we actually literally go around the screen and make sure everybody's weighing in. You didn't necessarily do that in a in-person, you know, collaboration. You know, the two people with the the fastest idea or the loudest voices sort of take over the collaboration. Here, there's a you have to stop talking so somebody else can talk. It's a lot harder to talk over each other. And so we're a little more intentional about going around and making sure that everybody's weighing in or has an opportunity to share, you know, what they're yeah. thinking. It's hard to hijack those types of meetings. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you can't do it because people are kind of like on even ground when it comes to how right. you're presenting information. So, yeah, right. no, that's, a, that's a good point. You mentioned earlier about the, the, the focus on talent or just how that has changed in this environment. And I'd love for you to speak to this issue that a lot of design firm leaders still struggle with this idea that I need this person in my own backyard, in my own office, three cubicles down. I mean, of course, nobody's any cubicles down because everybody's (laughs) working from home. But the idea that, you know, the talent I need needs to be within arm's reach. And how are you helping firms to kind of overcome that mindset. This is years. I was recruiting in this industry in the nineties and you know, there was, it was heresy to even mention that you could hire somebody for a need that you had in Dallas, Mm -hmm. but let them be based in Denver. Now that's commonplace. Yep. Yep. But so I would be curious to know how do you handle that? What kid gloves do you wear when holding your client's hands to walk them through Mm -hmm. this understanding? of how they manage talent in a new day and age. So, you know, our industry has a lot of baggage. I think our baggage comes from the old apprentice, you know, mentor model where you literally sat beside the <laughs> the the expert mentor and that's how you learned and that is how many of us learned in this industry. Of course, we also were drawing with, you know, lead, lead on vellum. So lots of things have advanced. I think the key to think through so that just seems to be a fallback, a manager's fallback, because it is easier to manage presence than it is to measure performance and results. So a whole lot of what this is exposing is that we need to retrain managers to manage on results and outcomes and not on presence or time served or, you know, I can I see you, so you must you're here, so you must be working. We all know that you can be somewhere and not necessarily be producing. So what I think what talent and talent, I mean, in firms like ours, the only real asset of any value we have is our talent, right? So talent matters more than anything. And right now, for me, talent preservation matters the most. So always you're attracting and retaining the best talent. You want to build the best culture. So people want, so people choose you, your firm. And then you have to keep that. You have to maintain it, but you also have to evolve it. Well, we're in a a current period of hyper evolution, I'll call it, where we really need to be moving our cultures forward in a way that matters to our folks. So I think in the past, our folks put up with some of that. Our way is you come to the office every day and you come from eight to five. And I don't care if you have an hour commute, we're better together. So let's all get in the studio together to now with just a little flexibility and choice and control over controlling the quality of a day and a week. Um, to have the balance that matters to you to get the talent. We're, we're going to get more out of our talent and we're going to get them to choose to be with us when it really matters to be with us versus when we say 
it meant. It's just all the time. We want to, we want access to you on demand. Well, we have access to everybody on demand. It's just digital on demand. And it's going, I mean, our talent is going to be making choices based on this new culture we create of the work experience. Absolutely, hands down. And they're just not going to put up with sort of an iron hand because the thing it's also exposed is, ah, you didn't really trust me. You really didn't think I was responsible, you know. And so we can't go back to that because now that will be, it'll be just super clear to talent that even though we had this little hiatus of, you know, freedom of choice, you're as soon as possible. And I've heard, I've heard clients say this, as soon as possible, we're getting everybody back. We're getting everybody back together. And I'm thinking like, but they're not going to come back to you if that's your, because your intentions, they're not, your intentions are not genuine. You don't actually believe everybody needs to be together. You believe you need to manage in this, this new way or in, in this, in the old way, in this new world, but you want to manage in the old way. And you're really, your talent, I already know organizations that have had talent walk because they're being a little too heavy handed or they're miss, and some are just miscommunicating their intentions of how they're handling their return to the office. Because many firms have, have returned to some degree into the office, but how you're communicating, why? Because what is suffering, even more than creative collaboration, what is suffering is connectedness to your community. I and a couple of other of our executive team just meet, recently met one-on-one with every employee in our company, simply to ask, how are you doing and how are you feeling about the future? And the number one concern that we gleaned from those conversations is people are doing okay, but they feel really disconnected from the company and the, what everybody is doing. So everybody's connected to the team they're working with on a regular basis, but they have no idea what other people are doing. And so this sort of just reaching out and asking folks you're not working with, what are you working on or how's it going? It's not happening. People are busy and they're, they're focused on their small team, but they don't really have an understanding of the rest of our world, which you did have when we were regularly interacting in an You could feel it. You could see it on the walls, literally. You know, So that is not happening. That and then learning. So people, this, everything we do is planned, scheduled. It's formal. The interactions are formal. And so that kind of learning by being in a room, listening to how other people are solving problems or talking to their clients on the phone, or that's not happening. And so careers are going to stagnate if we don't get really intentional of kind of learning and making sure development, that our talent development programs are accelerating our talent. And we're not just expecting things to happen on the, on the project. Yeah. No, I mean you're you're totally speaking my language and it is something that I have always done when it comes to reaching out to people that I have relationships with, but I think now more than ever before, especially for those of us that work together, you connecting with your colleague even though you don't see them every day, just making that effort to reach out to them can go a long way. And if you're a leader, it goes without saying that you just need to have a Rolodex, and I'm dating myself with that yeah. word, but you need to have a long list of everybody that's a direct report or a direct report of your direct report. Yeah. You need to have all their information down and you need to just be reaching out to them on a regular basis. And there has never been a better time to do that than right now. Just, just to check in just because, not like, hey, where is that project that I've been mm-hmm. working on? Because Obviously, people are passing on that information, but I mean, just checking in just because, and I applaud you guys for that. And, you know, how do you feel about asking that question? How do you feel about the future? Right. Because 
that also means that you're, you, you care about the bigger picture for the individual. Because some people are going through different things. Some people oh. have elderly parents that they haven't been able to see because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Some people have comorbidity issues that have, have just put caused them to stay in their home because they're fearful of right. getting COVID and dying from it because people right. are dying. I mean, there's so many factors that play into that. And I, I certainly applaud you. So what were the, I'd be curious to know and, and share whatever you feel like sharing, but what were some of the results or what did you guys come up with after doing this one-on-one with all of your peers, if you're able to share that? Sure. It's a, yeah, it's a good question. So you're right. Our intention, here's another, before I go there, just one thing that is happening in organizations that is it's important to do these kinds of check-ins to remind you that your experience and your situation is not necessarily anybody else's situation. And there's a lot of leaders out there that are saying, hey, work from home works fine for me. Let's leave everybody at home. Everybody's situation is not your situation. So you've got to, if you don't have empathy naturally, you need to be reaching out and getting the real scoop on what is going on with folks. Because some people can't come back to the office and other people can't work at home. It's impossible. I have one designer. She comes to our office every day because her home environment is not conducive to her getting her work done. So since the beginning, she has been coming and most days she's there by herself, but it's not, it's not because it's because her home environment doesn't work. So there are a lot of leaders out there that are not, they're, they're saying, well, this is my situation. Therefore, and imprinting, it must be everybody's situation. Not true. Not true at all. So you're so right. Everybody's situation is different. And many of them are pretty precarious, psychologically precarious, which is why, how are you feeling about the future? And it's your future, your family's future, the future of the world, the future of our company, any definition of the future you want to talk about, because that helps you understand where are these people right now and how can you help them? And so this time of year, somebody in one of my conversations, somebody said, this is supposed to be the happiest time of the year, right? The holiday season. It's always the holidays are a double-edged sword, happy and sad. (laughs) But so we decided, our leadership team decided, we're not going to let this blankety blank pandemic take everything from us. It has taken so much. It has really taken so much. We're not going to let it take some of our holiday traditions. So we can't do them the way that we've done them in the past, where we have big groups of people to gather and get together. But so we figured out how to do virtual and very small group uh, gift exchange. We always we do an annual gift exchange that the company sponsors. This year, the partners are sponsoring it. We're doing it in very small groups. Virtual, if you want to be virtual, in person, if you're okay meeting in person, so that we still have that camaraderie and that connectedness and that celebration that we've been missing. So we're really missing some of our, PDR is an incredibly fun place to work. It's one of our core tenets. And we do fun community things with each other all the time. And that those, those we have not been able to do. And some of them, we have a weekly happy hour, Thursdays at five o'clock, we stop working, we come together as a group. It's a, you know, mostly food, snacks, happy hour, but we aren't able to do it. We're not able to do it in person. So we set up these virtual happy hours, but well, I can tell you by five o'clock on Thursday, we are zoomed out. Do not make me get on one more digital interface where I have to try to be social and engage. It's just so it completely, it's fallen apart. So we are rebooting our happy hours and we're, we're going to figure out what is a better way to get people to engage informally 
where they can just check in and have those casual conversations that we used to have that we're not having right now that keep everybody connected. And you get to share a little bit what's really going on with you. So those are a couple of big things. We've been doing monthly company updates, which before this, we would do twice annual, you know, big company updates. Now we do once a month. We just say, this is what's going on. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. This is what we're doing about it so that people are in the know, because that's the other thing. When you're in the dark and you don't know, how's the company doing? How are my colleagues doing? What are we doing about it? What, you know, it's really important just to communicate, 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 communicate. And if you don't know the answer to something, just say, you don't know. You're working on it. We will figure it out. We're going to figure it out together. That's music to my ears. I hope everybody that's listening to this takes that to heart because, I mean, it just, it makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of firms just assume when it comes to corporate communication that certain things are understood or or inferred. But I think now is the time more than ever before to double down on over-communicating and over-sharing and keeping things straight and narrow and up to date and letting people know what's going on. I know a lot of firm leaders have gone to weekly video messages. I've even convinced some firm leaders to start a podcast where they share all the latest and greatest things happening and, you know, just an internal one for the team and how they can go about their business and share anecdotal stories, stories of encouragement. Hey, guess who won a job last month? I mean, you name it. I mean, because Because business is still happening. I mean, you guys have one job since the pandemic happened. So, you know, life doesn't stop. So we have to figure out a way to celebrate it, how to make people aware of what's going on so that they don't feel like they're by themselves, you know, in their, you know, home office or wherever, like where I'm recording this, I have basically taken one of my garages and made it a studio. But you'd never know that. But I just had to get creative and do right. what I have to do because that's what the pandemic has dictated. Right. But everybody is going through that. And you're absolutely right. You know, so easy for that leader, that design firm leader in his 4,000 square foot or her 4,000 square foot home to be like, oh, this is OK. We'll get through this. And, you know, meanwhile, one of your other employees is like, I have nowhere to Zoom. I have nowhere to to do a recording or shoot a video or to do anything like that. So, you know, you you have to recognize that not everybody is on the same footing. No. And the isolation. So the other thing we uncovered is that the isolation is really, really, really starting to wear on our psyches. And for those employees that you have that are single and living by themselves in a small apartment, those are the ones you really need to be touching base with and checking on because they don't have anybody with them going through this with them that isn't right but right. on a screen. And this is like, we're nine months into this thing now. It's just, it's too much. And so again, I have you know, pets and kids and a husband and I've got a lot of activity going on. I've got a small little COVID circle of friends that I see on a fairly regular basis. And so I don't feel that isolated. I feel isolated from my colleagues, but I don't feel completely isolated as a, as a person, but there are a lot of folks out there that are completely isolated and we need to be talking to them more often than not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so 
I wanted to kind of talk about, because we talked about talent a little bit, and then the other big thing that you guys are focusing on, and these are the conversations that you're having with your clients quite a bit, are reevaluating your workplace. So I would be curious for you to maybe share two or three things that design firms specifically, I mean, this is the advice that you give to any of your clients that you're working with, but as it relates to you come out of this industry, you know how we work, you know how we do things. For design firms, those that are on the cusp of really thinking about, well, man, this pandemic has brought to light a lot of things that we never considered or we just dusted under the rug when it comes to our workplace. What would be two or three things that you would recommend for design firm leaders, design firm owners to seriously think about when it comes to the reevaluation and redesign of their current workplace? So first, I would seriously rethink the intentions for having a workplace, like I said. Mm -hmm. Actually, this year, February 14th, Valentine, we celebrated the completion of our own reimagined workplace. So this is pre-pandemic. And we went to a complete activity-based work environment, complete unassigned seating, no offices, nobody owns a seat. We remodeled our offices to have a lot more collaborative voices for where individuals work to respond to the fact that everybody doesn't come to the office every day. And when they're there, they're not sitting in their desk. And so our studio was half empty all the time. And there wasn't enough meeting in collaborative space. And the balance of things was off. And so in addition to the intention, I would say, relook at the balance of spaces that you have and consider and that, that was a pretty radical in the world of workplace. It's really radical for this industry to go to this complete activity-based agile approach. We studied ourselves for over a year. We asked our folks what they needed to do their best work, what we were lacking, what we had too much of. So everybody was involved in informing the solution that we ended up with, which we will revisit now post-pandemic. So literally, we lived in it a month We've been here ever since, or been remote ever since, and we will revisit it. One thing we'll have to do is, is correct some issues with technology in all of our collaborative spaces for that you know, hybrid, in-person, and remote. But I would seriously consider thinking about how you will adopt a flexible, a lot of folks are calling it hybrid, remote, in the office, sort of that fluid approach, how you will mirror the physical environment to match what people will actually be doing. Because one of the unintended consequences of not marrying up what people actually do and when they're in the office doing what they're doing with the amount of space you have is too little space. If you shrink it down too much, too little space, people can't find a place to work or the right kind of place, it will drive them out. People start leaving. Other people will also not come because the real thing that drives us to the office is the human energy. And then having too much space which is where we came from, too much of, of the wrong kind, then the energy in the studio will be dead. So nobody wants to go work in a studio that feels like it's Saturday because every other seat is empty and there's just no energy, right? Part of the reason why we go to a collective space is for that to be motivated and inspired by the other humans that are doing cool stuff too. So they're really, you really need to marry these two things up. And I know a lot, I've talked to a lot of firm leaders actually that are struggling with how we're on the spectrum to be. We're all coming back and we'll have the same kind of environment we had before. We want a sort of a hybrid approach. Come back if you need to, but you can also work anywhere else. Actually, two different leaders for two 
structural engineering firms that we do work with have completely different approaches to to their thinking about their work environment. So it is a, there's no one size fits all. I don't believe that there is one answer that fits everybody. There is an answer for you. Your intentions need to be super clear and then your solution needs to be supporting your intentions. They need to be inextricably linked. I love that. That's good. Yeah, and I think you you know it's exactly right. You have to manage people's expectations, what you're going to do. You got to say it, enunciate it, let people mm-hmm. understand it and then go out and implement those ideas. Yes. And not to be underestimated, the change management program that will need to take place to help people understand, because for most firms, we've been doing it a certain way for a very, very long time. And so a sudden change, really, like you said, over community, it needs to be led by the leader. So you've got to take the leaders through a process to understand what the opportunity is. Our approach to change management is, For us, the end game is every single person involved understands the opportunity in the change. So they don't just understand for them, right? What can I do with this? So they don't just understand change is happening, communicate, tell them. We had one client that said, we're famous. We, you know, we think we're great at change management. We communicate the obvious. (laughs) So that's not change management, communicating the obvious. Um, (laughs) Helping people though understand why this is changing, what it means for you. And now you, it's a gift. You find your unique opportunity in this change to be the performer you know you can be, right? To be the contributor you know you can be. That's the awesome thing about this moment is if I feel like this industry is is a little famous for, you know, kind of holding people at a threshold, a role and responsibility threshold, because we're so burdened by all these, you know, levels and titles and not what we really want to do is just unleash the potential, right? If you've got potential, we want it out. So, Let's create an environment where we can we can actually get that great talent and human potential out of each and every individual in whatever way works for them. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I've talked to people, especially younger people that have, you know, Gen Z and millennials have actually had a pretty decent time adjusting to the way things are. But I've talked to a lot of young design professionals in both engineers and architects have told me that they have been the most productive that they've ever been in years and that they have actually brought in more business. There are a lot of really positive things that have happened. So I think that, you know, we need to be looking on the bright side of this situation that we're in because it does, you know, stretch us some and, you know, growth is good, right? And just like when you exercise a muscle, you have to exercise it to fatigue before you see any real growth. And I think we're all going through pandemic fatigue right now, but I also think that there's some real growth happening too. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. There's, there is so much opportunity if we, you know, sort of cut through the noise and the bad news and kind of get to what can we do with this? It can help us evolve quicker. You know, one of the things I tell our clients is you've got more air cover than you've ever had to make changes that you should have been making, but you have been slow to make right now, right? There's just go for it. Shed the baggage, overcome the organizational inertia. And we all have a lot of organizational inertia that holds us back. Whew. Let it go. Shed the baggage. Absolutely. Yeah, you may- <laughs> Move forward. I feel like breathing deeply as you say that because you're so right about that. So <laughs> I hope some people listening to this take the advice and, and guidance that you have shared on this episode to light, because I think it really can make a difference. And, you know, 
we're all in this together. And there are so many examples for you design firm leaders out there about how things can be done in a way that may not be, that you may not be used to. But, you know, like they say, there's nothing new under the sun and there's always somebody out there taking a a good idea and making it even better. So I really want to encourage you to take the advice that Lori has shared on this episode to heart as you deal with some of the changes that you're dealing with within your own organizations. And I mean, Lori, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Zweig Letter podcast and sharing just a smidgen of your your 30 years of experience and, and all that you've done with PDR. And, and if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? You can find us at pdrcorp.com. pdrcorp.com. Yes. You can get me directly after, actually, if you send an email to marketing at pdrcorp.com. There you go. Marketing at pdrcorp.com. And then we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and some other information in the show notes so people can see you and connect with you. And and, uh, there's actually a couple of people that I, a couple of firm leaders that I want to connect you to personally. So we'll, we'll definitely make sure that we make that happen. But folks, if you've heard about, are you listening to this episode and you're like, man, I need to call Lori right away please reach out to her. Please let her know that you heard about her first on the Zweig Letter podcast. And I'm sure, you know, this is just a kind of a a cliff note version of all the stuff that she's actually and PDR are actually able to do both for you and for the organization. So don't be bashful. Please reach out to these guys. They can certainly help. So appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Any last thoughts that you'd like to share with us before we, we call this a day? Just one that occurred to me when you were closing us out, and that is, it's been said before, the only thing inevitable is change, you know, constant change. We will be, and it's going fast. So we really can't fear change. We should embrace it because the world is moving forward and I don't want to get me left behind. So I've become a, you know, just bring it on, change, exactly. let's go faster. Why it not? is hard, but it it will be the key to our success in the future. And so as an industry, we really need to get on with reinvention, right? Moving forward, embrace the change and go for it. It's, yeah. It can be a very exciting time. I love that. On that note, we will call it a wrap. Thank you so much, Lori Goodman-Lampson for coming on the podcast and enjoying us today. And again, everything folks that you heard that Lori mentioned today on the episode will be in the show notes and uh, we'll point that out to you. But thanks again, Lori. Thank you so much, Randy. It was a blast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. You know, we, we're coming fast and furious with these episodes, but as you know, our cadence is about twice a month, even during the pandemic. And, and we still have, we have a bunch of episodes that are coming for you in the near future. I can't wait to share them with you. And we're going to continue to push the envelope when it comes to bringing different thought leaders like Lori on the show so that you can learn from her, maybe get some insight, maybe uh, connect with them or her or anyone for that matter that's been on the podcast to ask questions. That's the one thing that I've always enjoyed about the design industry is that it is a giving industry and everybody, regardless of profession, regardless of vertical focus, has always been willing to give uh, of themselves, of their experiences. And so that that's something that I really want to encourage everybody listening to this to continue to put into practice. So that's all I have for you. I have one thing I want to share with you in reminder. The Zweig letter comes out 
every Monday. That's the namesake for this podcast. It has run since 1992. So it's been almost 30 years since Mark Zweig originally created the Zweig Letter. And, and then we created the podcast a couple of years ago. We're now 179 episodes in. And But we have a great newsletter as well that comes out every Monday morning. You can get a free PDF of the Zweig Letter newsletter in your inbox every Monday, both for you or you can arrange to have everybody on your team, everybody in your company get a copy of it because there's so many really great ideas being exchanged on the Zweig Letter on a regular basis. So, And I may even try to twist Lori's arm to see if she might write an article for the newsletter. Because we'd love for her to give us some additional insight in terms of her experiences in her area of expertise. So that's all I have for you this week. As always, uh, we really appreciate you. Please feel free to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything you'd like us to change or any feedback at all that you have, we would appreciate that. And even if there's somebody that you think, man, they would be an amazing guest on the podcast. Please reach out to me, let me know, and we'll be more than happy to do that. Uh, as always, I can be reached at rwilburn at zweiggroup.com. That's how you can reach me via email, and I'll get right back to you. And if you have any questions or need anything, just let me know. That's all I have for you today, and uh, we will see you with another episode very soon. Remember to go out there and do great things. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.